0: DJ, PK, and Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan joining us in studio. Mark,
1: good morning. Good morning. Good to be here. Ready to sit on the firing line? I don't know. This is a great view here at Vivint Arena. I didn't know you guys had s- such nice digs. This yeah, is beautiful.
0: It is nice. The first radio station I was in in Santa Barbara when I was still in school, and it was part-time. It was a converted doctor's office. You could walk down. All the doors had been taken off, all the exam rooms, and they had different stuff stashed. That's what radio looked like. Wow. <laughs> I never thought I was going to work in this, you know, overlooking the trees and the statues and all you that. You do have
1: a view of your partner there, though. That, that's that's Not, either good or bad, depending it's on... It's awesome
2: the... for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he doesn't even get to look outside the window. I gave him the better seat. I noticed. <laughs> I, noticed. I noticed.
0: So we've got uh, we've got a million questions, but let's just start with the freshest stuff, and I'm curious what kind of feedback you got from your fans and your coaches, and then PK will be curious if any of that even matters uh, 10 a.m., 9 a.m., depending on if you're home or away, uh, Pacific time zone or mountain time zone, early kickoffs. What's the reaction been like? Will you step to the front of the line and volunteer for that or avoid it at all costs?
1: You guys didn't even offer me coffee. Just come <laughs> I in just jumped uh, right you, you in. Jump on the, right I figured it. this one, you've already been hit up on this immediately. No, it's, 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 it's certainly been a topic. You know, we, we, for the first time, the athletic directors met the day before media day. And, and, of course, then we stayed through most of it. And to be honest with you, the day before in the meeting, it wasn't addressed. It wasn't talked about. We had a lot of other subjects we were working on. But then I think John Wilner had talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of percolated throughout the week. So I, I put it under, under the, the subject matter of, you know, exploration of anything that makes sense. Uh, for the conference the question really is does it make sense for the individual institution that's that's hosting it so i don't have any problem having the dialogue and thinking through it i think obviously the mountain schools um, have a little bit of a benefit with it being a 10 a.m start but you know i still think we need to 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 ponder what it would mean so on the positive side you know if it's on big fox that's some that's that's a brand uh opportunity for your program and for your university that's that's pretty special It automatically takes you off the night slot, which I can show you uh, some communication I got from our fan base when we had that BYU game at uh, (laughs) 8.15 late in the year. Uh, So it takes you off a couple of those things, um, you know, and and a lot of programs, not necessarily Utah, but we're used to doing a lot of stuff in the morning or practicing in the Mm -hmm. morning. And then you got to think about the fans. You know What does that mean for them, and, and what does that do to tailgating, which I think is a huge part of the experience. So I think right now the, the best way to say is we're looking into it. I haven't shut it off. I, I certainly haven't turned it on either. Both schools would have to agree to it, and I wonder if, if a school would want to come in, uh, particularly a, a California school that's already dealing with the time zone change, if they would agree to it. So I don't see anything imminent, but it's, it's certainly something that uh, I'm looking into
2: on the other side, you've already mentioned the late starts. Those
1: are basically here to stay though, right? Yeah, it's hard to imagine that that they would go away based on the, the television situation. I, I do know that what we've talked to the commissioner about, and the presidents have certainly weighed in on this, is in the next deal when we're four years, which is actually, as you guys know, in this business, not that far away, is to really talk about how do we spread that out a little bit, you know, rather than some of the choices that are made now. But no, I mean you know it's it's it, they're here to stay. I, I think we need to be pretty passionate about staying staying away from from those nine o'clock eight o'clock games that we get out here a lot. We'll be fighting for that, but it would be disingenuous to to suggest that those are going away at all.
0: Mark Harlan, Utah AD, joined us in studio. so
1: you do get a
0: lot of blowback on the late games and when when it came up, we were discussing this. I can see one segment of your fan base saying. It's just too late. Give me give me a 10 a.m. I'd prefer it. I'll do it in a heartbeat. But I could see another segment saying, hey, I got my kids' stuff all morning. You're killing me here at 10 a.m. I'll take that 8 o'clock game. So... We wondered if it would kind of cancel it out. If for the fan, for any one fan, fan, it's a big deal, but for the fan base, if it would end up being a wash, I didn't know if you had had a chance to measure that.
1: Well, I think you're exactly right, and that's kind of the thought process that I have. I, I don't know if there's ever a time that you're going to get everybody, nor would we expect that to be the case. Although I've often felt that three three thirty spot in places I've been seems to be the happy happy place, but even then, you've got folks that are. You know, in youth football and others that go into the afternoon that prefer the night game. So, to your mm-hmm. point, I, you know, we had that eleven thirty kick, I think it is, uh, in our home opener. You know, we've been in conversations with the Muss, uh about making sure that they're ready to go and they're working on programming. It'll be kind of an interesting um, data point opportunity for us to look at. I mean, obviously, it's not 10. We get that. But, you know, I do think it, it could be a wash. But, again... Um, We just have to weigh it all. You know, as I told the commissioner, it would have to be on Big Fox, right? It would have to be, it would have to be, um, you know, well in advance because I think people really need to plan for something like that. So those are two of the absolutes. Well, you, you've
2: been on the job now a little bit over a year and I recall your press conference and then you did some individual interviews, came on our station. And one of the things that you were asked was, you know, what are you going to do at the start? And you, the, the word that I heard you use a lot was listen. That was your big thing. You were going to listen. And then you talked about I can recall speaking to you uh, after some games. And you said that you'd gone out and, and in, interacted with the folks tailgating and uh, gathering information. And you were out uh, the night of the BYU game just surveying everything. So you really have gone to great lengths to get reaction as you've listened What have you learned?
1: Well, I think I think one of the key things that I learned is if I thought this place was passionate about the Utes, you know, it's it's probably three times or or more what I what I thought it would be. I think when I when I walk around, let's take the tailgates for example. You know the tradition, how long people have been in that spot, yeah. right? And and don't mess with my right. spot, <laughs> right. you know, exactly. which, which of course they should say those things. So I think the passion really is the the, the overwhelming thing. I, I think certainly in the beginning, the stadium expansion was was just the hot topic, uh, you know, which of course made sense. So people really wanting to understand how that would work, would we would we do it? And this is where I give Dr. Hill so much credit, because as I was listening to major donors, season ticket holders, whatever they they were, you know, part of our program and the interest in that, but then Chris had done this amazing feasibility study, and it was just right there for plug and play. So, what I probably didn't expect was, was, was how quick and effectively we could get after that project. So, the passion about it, from leadership, donors, and the work that Chris and Kyle Brennan and all of them had done to, to bring it to this point, allowed us to probably activate quicker in year one I think if if I if I had if I had really thought through it I would have said it would be a full year of looking and studying and then we get after it this year so to be able to move it up was was certainly uh, brought about by that listening because we were ready to go how much
0: extra revenue is that going to generate for the program because it seems like items one two three four and five on your list must be how do we close the gap with some of these other schools that are just Raking in the money and then spending it on employees that you know, a school like the U might want to keep, and somebody else is out there ready to give them a thirty percent raise.
1: Well, it, it, it certainly revenue generation is is a big part of our of our world. And to your point, you know, costs are going up, and and that's just the nature of the beast. If you if you want to have a top fifteen, top ten football program, you got it. You got to do all those things. That was a big part of the South End Zone expansion mm-hmm. uh, study. You know realizing that the model was so conservative and looking at our waiting list and all the different things and knowing that with thirty five million philanthropic sixty eight percent of the seats going all toward the, the, the bond that we could pay that off you know maybe within eight to ten years and then we can reroute all that new revenue back to the department for all of those things. So setting us up for the future was a big part of that. Um so you know you always have to be thinking that direction. The challenge at Utah And it's a blessing, but it's the challenge is we are a little locked in right now in our revenue streams. We are blessed to have a sold out stadium. That's awesome. Right. Um, But then you then you max, you know, I'm sure on your screen right there, people are asking about football prices. Right. So the only raise in football prices this year went because we had a seventh game. I do think right now we're kind of at that place. We're in that upper tier now of prices. And you could argue that we're kind of where we should need to be. We have a a 10-year, multi-year partner in Under Armour. that We know the revenue. It's a locked-in revenue piece. We have a multimedia partner in Learfield. So we're kind of, it's all good deals. They're great Mm -hmm. deals, matter of fact, but that's what they are, and they're locked in. So where's our opportunity? Our opportunity particularly is in the Crimson Club. We're about ninth or 10th now in membership in the conference in terms of how many people are annually supporting us, so that's on us to get more people involved. Those kind of things are, are critically in, important as we, as we go forward into the cost of, of running a championship program. Because, And the one thing I really want to impress is that football and, and, and basketball and, and gymnastics, which you could argue the big three as I come in here, they're critically important. They've got they, they gotta to continue to, to climb and do the things they need to do. But I want to be a comprehensive program. I, the Learfield Cup is very, very important to me. Right. It, it, we need to be better than in the 60s, right? We, we need to be in a comprehensive program, and that's easy for me to say on your show. What we have to do is get the revenue to support those Olympic coaches and climb in this conference.
2: So you speak of revenue, and obviously that's so critical. And Chris Hill had been around for so long. I mean, he probably knew all the donors and their grandkids by name and so forth because of just of his incredible longevity. Uh, where are you in that process of getting to have personal relationships with all these dozens and hundreds, if not thousands of people.
1: Yeah. It is a daily process. I feel, you know, every month better with that. You know, you circle back to people and you start to get to know their families and you start having those kind of in-depth conversations. I think it's an ongoing process. I think at South Florida, when I got to about that two-year point, I felt like, you know, could walk in and know a great majority of the people in the room, but I'm still not there yet, and that's a little unsettling because yeah. I want to know them, they want to know me, and so it's incumbent on me to make sure that we work on that daily. and And our development team, we work on that daily because at the end of the day, those folks are going to allow us to go where we need to go. Right. So it's a big part of my job. It's, you know, sometimes if I have two straight days in the office and I'm in internal meetings, and those are all very important, I realize, you know, I can't be sitting here. You yeah. got to be out, and you, and you got to meet and talk with these folks.
0: Mark Harlan, Utah Athletic Director, joining us. Uh, you bring up specific questions about football, and these are kind of I, your inside. Your screen's but... too small, but you got some
1: doozies over there.
0: I, I do, um, Brian, and and this probably goes to how you generate revenue. Which I think what Brian's going to ask matters to people who have season tickets, right? But I think the point goes to. All college football fans about how their school generates more money to keep up with the teams that are rolling in it and driving the bus here. Uh, Brian says, Why do the youths continue to put more fees on season tickets? Just raise the price of the tickets so the secondary market value doesn't start as a loss. Example, if a season ticket has a face value of 50, but with the fees it's closer to 75, it's really hard for me if I can't go to a game to resell that ticket for 75 bucks when it says it's worth 50.
1: Makes sense. Yeah, you know. So I mean, on the face of it, what he's saying is, you know, allow me a chance to, to sell those things if I can't make a game. Although it's funny, not to get away from that question. Data just came out this week. I think we're second or perhaps third in the country in folks coming in and and using the seats on the scan. I think we're at ninety-two percent utilization of tickets in rice Stadium, which is. Unbelievable. So think about that. Of so all you that don't matter. have no so shows is the bottom now, line. Now his point could be well. Part of that is because uh, you know people are also selling them on third market. But the fact that our tickets are not sitting in desks and and going. His point is interesting. Um, that's something I certainly can talk to our ticket staff about. But we want we we do want to make sure if folks can't go, it's a competitive marketplace for them to put the tickets on 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 third party. We used to fight those third party. Folks, you know, pros and in, in college, but now it's a partnership because that's a big part of, of keeping people going to the stadium. Ticket prices are something we take very, very seriously. Um, like I said earlier, the only raise this year was based on you know seven games. Um, you know, we did some stuff in in, in the north end zone. I, I really felt it was important for those folks to be a part of the Crimson Club, so we did add a small fee there. I think twenty five dollars and fifty dollars. I think those folks understood. We really need help with scholarship support, and those folks stepped up. But it's a very important issue, and we're always studying it. How much can you push the limit on prices based on winning? Yeah, well, you've got to be really careful there, right? We've all seen, we've all seen how that can, can go. Um, I really look at the data in our conference and in peers, and that's really where I, I want us to be. I never want us to be at top. I don't ever want us to be in the bottom. So that middle to just beyond the middle is where I want us to be. Uh, we got another uh,
0: question coming in here. Um, uh, Brian wonders, can you fix the parking situations, football and men basketball? <laughs> Crimson Club lots are half empty, and non-Crimson Club members
1: walk a mile to the game. It makes a lot of fans want to stay home. You know, I I think parking, I've never been to a place where people were happy with parking. (laughs) And and if there is one, then someone give me a holler. I I would say, in my experience, there's more proximity parking to to Rice-Eccles than most other places that I've been. Sands the Rose Bowl, which was a unique situation. Unless it rained, that was always a nightmare, uh, finding 20,000 parking spots when we shut down the golf course. But, I think parking is very important, sometimes I've realized it's even more important than the ticket. And so, you know, our folks at Parking and Transportation on campus, you know, we've asked them to make sure that they continue to give us options and different things we can do. I, I would argue a little bit about half-empty lots based on the ninety-one percent utilization <laughs> that I just mentioned. Um, I think sometimes folks get there at different times, and and uh, you know, obviously, if you're higher up in the Crimson Club, you're going to get a, a spot closer, and and uh, you know, that's the way it it, it works out. But you know, parking is important to folks, and, and we've got to keep an eye on it.
2: Situation in football is so competitive now. I mean, it's probably at the all-time highest, trying to, st- trying to just stay afloat. And so you have these expenditures, which you have to worry about 24-7, and your football team now is doing very well. And with that is going to become uh, increases in salaries. How do you manage all that stuff? while keeping in mind who you are and where you are?
1: Well, it's, it's you have to project out. I mean, I think there was uh, something I just saw this morning, to your point, where I think it was at the University of Iowa that the, the head football strength coach just went over a million dollars. Yeah. That was kind of on a whoa, okay. Uh, uh, that and, just cross that off the list. And, I was gonna. I'm trying to think if our guy Doug is, would be listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he read that article, oh, he you're read. Probably, it. Oh, you're he probably read it. gonna get agents is probably what's gonna happen next. But it just it just amplifies your point. I think, you know, I remember when Rick went over a million dollars at UW. I remember when that when that shot was fired at you know um, Washington's defensive coordinators is up to one four. So, you know, I think you just have to continue to project where this thing is going. And, and you have to be really smart about where you invest and how you invest. But it gets back to what we talked about earlier. It's, it's this job has become, and my, my lieutenants around me and, and all those, revenue generation is really a key component of our job. Because to keep up to keep up effectively and maintain a program that we have right now, and want to have forever, it's, it's going to take
2: more resources. Do cost of does cost of living factor into it? Can you know like you you can tell somebody, hey, well, this isn't Santa Monica. Here.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And we, we we whether they're hard conversations or easy conversations, it's still a, a, a fact. And certainly we we have that, those conversations, particularly when we have conferences like Seattle, you know, Seattle yeah, and no. L.A. and stuff. Absolutely.
0: Mark Harlan, Utah Athletic Director, joining us in studio. We're getting a lot of questions about the direction of the basketball program. We're getting a lot of questions about football scheduling, so we'll get to both of those next. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Mark Harlan is here. We invited questions on Twitter. We've gotten a gazillion of them. Many of them relate to football scheduling. You're a trained professional so I can do this because PK will tell people don't ask two questions at once. They only ask one and then they move on. They never answer the other one. But these questions go kind of into two categories here future schedules with P5 schools. Obviously, you just did the Arkansas deal. right? And as you add P5 schools, then people want to know, well, what does that mean for playing BYU? Because famously, when Michigan signed the two-year deal with Utah, there were two years where the game wasn't scheduled, although they met in the bowl game, one of those two. So I guess first, the the future P5 schedules, and then what does that mean for the BYU series?
1: Well, we we really do want to continue to reach out to, to top-tier P5 schools, um, you know, in the Arkansas situation I thought it would be really fun if we could get an SEC opponent in here and as you guys know in your business it's the same with us it's a relationship business and the AD there and I are very good friends he was the AD at Houston when I was at South Florida and we Kind of joked about it, and then it kind of came together, um, and 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 so we're continuing to to do that. I, I've stated my intention. We're going to continue to play BYU. Um, I, I, I've said that from the very beginning. I thought the game that I intended last year was was electric, um, and I believe the one coming up has all the potential <laughs> to be. Uh, electric. So we're going to continue to do that. Now, you know, if there's a situation where another P5 comes forward and and you know, we, we need to look at it for for the good of the Utes, then I'll call Tom as as home down there and and we'll t- we'll chat it through, but um, that's our intention is to continue play to play BYU. So
0: when
2: you say another P5, that would be in addition to an already scheduled P5. Yeah, I mean, this gets into the so ABC a sec-
1: thing and and you know, I I just think, you know, again I laugh this is so far out right yeah, so yeah, yeah. as I look at the data right now from the CFP I think they're screaming the committee uh-huh. to, to suggest these are the things that you need to do to, to get in there now you could argue you, you play BYU you don't play another P5 and with the nine conference games you go undefeated you're in and I think there's probably an argument that says you are but I say probably because I'm not sure so as I see it my friends on the committee I've talked to the data that we're getting I think we got to be really really good about making sure that that uh, you know we we add that right now as I see that Arkansas game I see us playing BYU at that time too as I sit here today rather than saying hey let's 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 move but I think the BYU contract goes out to 24 if I recall and so we'll make some decisions going forward but I think it was my son who said this weekend, or maybe it was my daughter, I can't remember, it's like, do you realize that people that will play in that game are in, like, third grade right now, yeah. that Arkansas game? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it just goes to show how far out things are, and we just got to make sure we're on top of what that committee's doing because we've got to be strategic in all that we do.
2: How does uh, do people view BYU, though? Because we view it as somewhat of a P5, even though technically it's not. And if you get in that situation... I would think, man, if you went undefeated and beat a P5 and beat the Cougars, I would be screaming somewhere if Utah or whoever it is in the Pac-12 is not, not only in the playoff but better not
1: be seated fourth. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and as as we know, most conferences, ours included, count count BYU as a P5, which makes a lot of sense. I think the uh, SEC is a good example where well, they have to play a P5 in their non-conference, and BYU is, is a counter for that. So, the nation knows their program and, and understands that. I, you know, so, you could argue, well, that is your P5. I, I just, Again, going back to, to what I said earlier, I, I think that we, if we can add you know, two P5s and also BYU in a year, I think we shouldn't just dismiss it. I think we need to contemplate it and think through it. Because the margin of error thing comes to mind, too. Right. It seems like other conferences get a little margin of error. It does not appear that our conference gets a lot, get a lot. Of oh margin no of question. Error. So we need to yeah. we need to consider that as well.
0: Yeah, the SEC gets a mulligan. You're 11 and one. You not you. win your conference. You're in, and an 11 one conference champion in the Pac-12 is at risk. The other thing that seems clear is if you're undefeated, you're an undefeated Power Five team is in. They haven't left one out yet, and I can't imagine they're going to. But a two-loss team has no shot of getting in, no matter how tough their schedule is. There's no bonus points like, man, you really lined up a killer schedule. Maybe in your conference, you know, you got dealt a tough hand, so we're going to give you a break. Said no committee... Ever so far, I mean, it's only five years. It's not a huge sample size. That's the other thing. You're right. It's only been five years. Yeah, but you got to you got to set up a schedule that wins a tiebreaker at eleven and one. But you
1: can't give yourself a schedule that doesn't give you a chance to get to eleven and one. That's exactly right. I mean, I I agree with that. I think you you have to look at all those things and and then what's the implication of going to eight? Which I think, if you read the tea leaves, you you see that. I mean, I'm. I'm just reading like everyone else is, and, and it just seems like that's going to happen in the next deal. And if that happens, do you scale back? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. all of these things have to, to come forward. But, but we're just going to continue to look for P5s and, and where it makes sense and, and, uh, and march forward. I've been
2: down in Los Angeles for every Pac-12 media day, and I've been to all that stuff before when I worked at other papers. And I think that, in my impression this year, I felt like Commissioner Larry Scott was more humbled – on the stuff that's been going on and is more open to acknowledging weaknesses and more open to making change. Could you address that? Am I speaking accurately in your opinion?
1: Yeah, I think you're I think you're spot on. I, I think that it's been a tough year, right? I mean, not to have the understatement of the century, but it it was a tough year. I think the defining moment for the conference occurred in October in the Coliseum um, for a play that remains to be and you know remains embarrassing for all of us associated with the league. And And I think beginning that night when we all got briefed before the Yahoo article uh, came out, I think there was a collective agreement with Larry on the phone and the ADs is this has to stop. And we have to work better together. We have to be more transparent, bring the practitioners back into the room. Let's let's work on this together. And that really I mean, it was tough. But out of crisis comes comes, you know, some quality work that you can do. And, you know, he's been really good. Uh, He's been really good about. Uh, looking at everything that needs to be rethought Um, and he's been very transparent he calls me quite often uh, to get input he calls others quite often Um, and everything so far this year that he's talked about doing he's done I look at the officiating review uh, allowing Ray Anderson at your favorite school Arizona State to to he's an expert I mean heck he ran the officiating program in the NFL why wouldn't Larry want Ray to run this program and that's what Ray's done, and he delivered a great product, and, and we're going to get better because of it. The the research into uh, a possible investor in the conference, you know? I mean, again, it goes back to talking about the 9 a.m. games. I don't know if it's a good idea to have an investor come in and infuse money and then be a partner with us, but why wouldn't we explore it? And so he's led all those efforts. So we got a lot of work to do. We have to play better in football and basketball. We need to do those things. We have to look at ourselves. But he certainly the the conference, not just he, but the conference, it's it's more collaborative than I can ever remember, including when I was you know was was at UCLA. I do not
0: understand the difference between bringing in an investor and just partnering with Fox or ESPN from the get-go.
1: Well, I mean that's a question that you go back to 2010, 2011, and you know revisionist history uh, would suggest that perhaps we should have you know taken the network and gone gone with ESPN, but. You know, when you got that, you know, billion, multi-billion dollar deal, um, it just, at the time, and I, I was in the room as the number two at UCLA when we were looking at all the data, like, let's hold on to the network. Let's, let's see what we can do. We wanted to produce all these Olympic events and, you know. Two, three, four months later, SEC comes in higher and Big Ten comes in higher, which you know we should have, we should have, we should have projected that, right? I mean, I think that's the mistake: Directv not playing playing ball, not able to 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 come in and and join us. Those were all fatalistic things that really hurt. So I, you know, I think going forward, we're in a great place now because you know we do own it. Um, But bringing an investor now, seeing if it's a major company that's a strategic partner. Help bridge the gap for the next four years. Does that make sense? And those are the things we're looking into.
2: So you use the word fatalistic, and the root word there is fatal, which means dead. I know. Well, at
1: times it does. I mean, it, when I'm when I'm when I'm at a, a, a sports restaurant or what have you, and I can't watch. You know my basketball team play when I'm in San Diego. I'm yeah. I'm not I'm upset. It, I'm it, pissed. It, I'm, I'm pissed. All right. <laughs> Thank you. And I, and it's tough. And I and you know and we all feel that way. I mean I was at the Holiday Bowl and we're playing Nevada here and I can't watch the game and and it's frustrating. Of course the league says well Mark here, it's on your iPad. Well you know I didn't have my iPad. No I got I was, you. I was in a restaurant. So yeah. you know we share that pain and and we want it fixed. But the but we all agree to it what we wanted to do, Utah included, UCLA, everybody else, what we wanted to do, and we have to live through this contract. But what we know is we got to fix it. We have to get our distribution wider. I think there's things that are going on right now that are helping us with that, but we have to get that fixed. It's been great for Olympic sports. Let's say this, it has been off the charts for Olympic sports program. But one does have to question with football and basketball, has it you know, has it really pulled us back from the national eye?
2: Well, and plus, there was a thing uh, a couple years ago, Ute basketball, and I'm sure we'll get to Ute basketball here in a second, but the uh, Utah has a bye down in Vegas, so they're playing Thursday. Well, the winner of the Wednesday game is going to play the Utes, I'm down in Vegas, so I've got no problem. I'm watching the game live, but I'm hearing from people back here saying, I can't watch the game to see who they're going to play.
1: right. that make any sense? Well, that's right. And and I do know, uh, again, what I do appreciate, Mark Shukin has taken over the the league uh, network. He's done a great job in a year and a half, and he really are pushing out more distribution. I mean, I, we have seen improvement. The Apple relationship lately will help. But, again, when you're sitting up there and you can't see it at a restaurant, which of course DirecTV kind of owns that market, although they're struggling. But, you know, these are the things that we're collectively working on together. It's not just happening in San Francisco. We're working on all of it together. And I think that's the key. If you talk to the SEC and colleagues that I have there, you know, they say this collaborative effort has led them to where they are. That's where we are now with Larry. And now we just have to to, to hold ourselves, he hold us, us hold him accountable. And uh, I think we can fix all these things.
0: So when we invited questions, Mark Harlan, Utah AD, we got swamped by Utah basketball fans. Three NCA bids in 14 years. That's three different head coaches in that span. One Sweet 16, and Larry's the one who got him there in the last 14 years. But for people who wrote it for a program, went to the Final Four in the 40s, twice in the 60s, again in the 90s. I can't even count the Sweet 16s. There's probably 20 of them. I think there was an expectation like, man, you're taking our program and now we get the Pac 12 brand. Woohoo, this yeah. is going to be awesome. Yeah. And instead, it's gone the other way. Yeah. So,
1: I guess for starters, why have so many kids transferred? Well, you know, each kid has a story of which I'm involved in each one of them. And Of course, not allowed to to talk about those things based on, well, it's just the right reason not to talk about private conversations, but each one has a story um, ranging from makes a lot of sense to not a lot of sense, you know, just from where I sit. Um, I'm not immune to the fact that uh, it is an epidemic in college basketball. I think Gordon's article this morning was accurate when it talked about, I think, 20% or something on annual 19, but overall in the career of a men's college basketball player. About forty-eight percent will 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 transfer during the course of their career. I, you know, I it's 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 mind-boggling to think about that. So it's hit Utah, um, and I think you know what what Larry and I talk about is just making sure that uh, you know as as great a teacher he is, and he's unbelievable. I, I really think he he everyone that comes in, I believe strongly, and I've seen it from afar and now up close. He gets them better and. You know but we also have to make sure that we have the deep relationships with kids and I believe he tries to do that I think he's he's uh, made some moves to help in that in that regard um, and so we're just going to continue to move forward we'll benefit from transfers coming in and we'll we'll in, in some not all but in some cases you know hurt from those kids that uh, leave Cedric Bearfield was a big player for us last year and he came into us so Listen, Larry doesn't. Larry doesn't want it. I don't want it. Our fans don't want it. But we're we're looking at it and just making sure that um, you know the kids are is as, as, as comfortable and happy as they can be. So
2: each case is individual for sure, and you don't have to go into particulars. But generally speaking, there's going to be some kids, no matter what you do, that are going to leave. So there's nothing you can do there, right? I'm wondering as you evaluate these situations, because there's no question. It's really hurt the program. This last one with Tillman it was looking like he was developing, and you can see the improvement. There's no question, and he was going to be a he would have been a, a very nice player for the Utes in the next couple of years. But now he's gone. Is it more of an external problem that you can't control, or more of an internal problem that you can do some things to make it better so it's at least not happening to the number? And it's one thing to have a I don't want to say it's demeaning, but a you know a sub versus. Uh, basically you had two projected starters for this next season that are choosing to leave
1: yeah well again it's hard to 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 collectively answer that because as i go through and run through in my mind you know each each one's a little bit different um playing time you know family family relationship issues
2: Right, but do you guys need to clean up anything? The, well,
1: of course, you, you you can get better in everything you do. You know, I mean, I, I think we have we have to, and I say we, and it's not just Larry; it's the departments, the athletic department. You know, any kid that transfers, you know, we get unpublicized kids that transfer, in, in Olympic sports, you know, I always say, could we have done something different? Could we have provided a better experience, et cetera, et cetera? So I think it's a collective effort. Um, but you know, any place I've been, this has been a topic men's basketball players transferring it's 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 ucla south florida and now utah so you know i i do recognize that it's part of the beast right now and and coaches have to be able to manage that uh kids now they they you know again i'm not trying to disparage any of our kids because like i said everyone's got different reasons but with the transfer portal being as accessible as it is and as easy as it is if stuff gets hard out the door you know and your name goes in there you're going to get some calls and that gets you pretty excited okay but again i don't want to sound like for some kids transferring is the right thing for them to do and i do believe we should make it as transparent and easy they're kids but listen we're looking at it um i'm really excited about the group that's here some really neat kids They, they change the rules as you guys probably know they can practice a bunch in the summer so i've gone to some practices they've been crisp they've been clear very young and you know like college basketball we're very young
0: so, specifically, I've heard that there was a lack of balance between good cop and bad cop. For people who don't know, all the best basketball programs run the good cop basketball cop amongst the basketball staff really well. In PK's day covering Rick, Rick was enough of a bad cop, and I'm not trying to be funny, although it comes off funny, but Juddie and Donnie Daniels together were the good cop to balance, and they got that balance and it worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they won a lot does bringing Donnie back maybe bring that element back it he was kind of a i mean he was like i heard of gonzaga they had plenty of bad cop and he was like almost like the horse whisperer or something he yeah. he really was a good cop do you think he brings that to the program and it will not stop but at least slow down some of the transfers well or is he's that a, overplayed he's
1: a pros pro. i mean you know he had just left ucla when i got there and you know, everybody was talking about his departure really affecting the UCLA program at the time. And because and, he's just he's just really good at what he does. He's a great person. His connections are deep and he, and he does develop deep relationships. And I think at the end of the season, that's what Larry and I talked about. We're like, you know, what do you need? Uh, how do we keep going forward? How do we how do we get better? All those things. And he brought up, you know, Mark, I'd like to have this position. I, I've got Donnie in mind. You know, he was getting ready to retire. And and he felt like he could he could pull him over the line and I said let's go you know um, and I knew why he was doing it I think relationships I think contacts and and you know just having Donnie around I mean just having Donnie around right now is is great he goes he's not allowed to coach but he's able to watch practice he's able to be around the kids and I think that's going to be terrific for us Um, I I think that's the kind of, uh, of of thought process that Larry's going through to make sure that we continue to get better. Mark Harlan, Utah AD, is going to give us
0: one final short segment. So stick around on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Uh, final segment with Mark Harlan, Utah Athletic Director. Josh, with a serious question, how are you planning to address the mental health of
1: athletes at the U? Critical component of uh, of our, our mission, right? We're uh, we're blessed to have now three full-time uh, folks in the mental, both in performance and in, in psychological help. Um, it's been, a, a give, again, Dr. Hill, a lot of credit. He brought, brought in Dr. Jonathan Ravarino uh, some years ago, um, who, who is a psychologist, has really helped a lot of our kids. And then last year, I felt, you know, with, with, with the tragedy of losing Lauren and, and the effect of our, of our students, uh, we hired a, another full-time um, and then we just had added another uh, this 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 actually this last week. So we're staffed in that way, and it's 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 just is you know it's there for our kids, all of them. You know, the third one will f- probably feel the same way. They're they're working more than forty hours a week. You know it's a it's an epidemic on campuses and outside. Young people are coming in with a lot of a lot of issues, and we're not immune to it. Um, I do believe though, w- with that kind of investment uh, that, that Utah has put in in the space, I think it's led to For example, our 95% graduation rate, because I think the healthier kids are, dealing with those pressures allows them to succeed. And then, of course, on the fields, too. But uh, it it will continue to be something that is the most important thing that we invest in going forward. Your job is day-to-day, hour-to-hour for sure. With that in mind, is there
2: anything specific that you are working on trying to get accomplished right now?
1: Well, the South End Zone design and and finishing the fundraising is 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 a big part of, of the gig right now. With with not only myself but Jimmy Soto, you know Manny and and Scott Cole and the rest of the team out out raising money and finalizing that. We're we're designing a new golf uh, facility, which you guys are welcome to come over when it, when, when it opens. We're going <laughs> to do a really nice little indoor golf thing because <laughs> I, I love that program. I think they can do something special. We're building a lacrosse. Soccer Stadium right now. It's going to open in about three weeks. we got that going on. We're, we're looking at Huntsman, what some of the things we need to do uh, to make sure that building stays awesome as it's been. So, a lot of facility work uh, going on right now. Um, and a lot of strategic uh, thinking with our coaches. Again, going back to how do we rise in the Olympic sports in particular. But this conference um, all of those is so things. tough with I that. know. But you know what? It also, you know, you, know, you want to win it. That's always our goal. But if you're in the top half, you can get in the tournament based on the for RPIs sure. for these teams. So we want to be in the postseason. I want it to be a situation where if a, if a team at Utah doesn't make the postseason, it's, it's, it's abnormal. It, it, and that's you know we talked about basketball earlier. It's the same there. It's the same across our, our sports. That's going to be our goal. But again, how am I? How is the administration helping those coaches to do that?
0: Uh, we got a question here about Utah State. Any plans to sign? And these comes from Aggie fans and Ute fans. We've gotten right. multiple ones here. Uh, any chance of playing them home and home in football or basketball?
1: There's absolutely no restriction that I saw in my desk when I got there that says you are not allowed to play Utah State. So let's start there. <laughs> Nor do I have any any um, a- at all issue with 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 playing them. The issue is they're just they're just not on our schedule right now. We talked about football. They very well make sense. May, might make sense as we continue to build out our, our football schedule. So, you know, I don't have any issue with it. Uh, our our coaches tend to handle their schedules. Uh, football, I'm I'm heavily involved in, but the others I'm not. as as involved in so but we don't have any any problem with i mean they got a great program they've done an amazing job matter of fact coming back from las vegas during the basketball tournament this year i wound up being on the same plane with those guys when they walked around the corner with their with their mountain west trophy and the nets it was pretty cool i mean they they did they did a great job um this year and i give them a lot of credit
0: uh, any chance any sports will be added? We have one listener here who wants women's golf
1: added. That's very specific. But... Well, especially when she just heard about this, this yep. indoor uh, golf facility. A little surprised when I got here, and, and, and we didn't have a women's golf program. Because normally, if you have one, you have the other. I think it, if, it, if it makes sense, that would be the next one up. Uh, But we're just now going into year two of men's lacrosse, which has been awesome, by the way. It's been incredible to be around Brian and his program. So we're going to kind of stay here for for now and make sure that that team gets off and heads toward championship form, which, by the way, I think we have a real shot there. We finished in the top ten in attendance in lacrosse this year in our first year. So I think there's a special things to come for that program. We've
2: seen some cold-weather baseball programs really take off in recent years. You know, Michigan was in the final, and we know what the Oregons are doing, both of them. Yeah. Uh, Utah had a little moment in the sun
1: yeah. and get back. Well, we need more sun, uh, that's for sure. But you, you, you're right. There's been some cold-weather programs. And I saw that Michigan team play. I was in Omaha and watched them play this year. They were a special team. We, we got to help Billy. I mean, that's just the way I look at it. We're, we're looking at what we can do for the stadium. Um, we love playing at the B Stadium. You know, I just I just went to lunch with Mark the other day, and it's a great partnership. When we're there, it's awesome. But we don't have priority, nor should we, right? Yeah, the right. bees are there, so we're really going to look also at a baseball stadium. It's it's hard, I think, for Billy to recruit and get those elite guys. Um, I love college baseball. It's probably one of my favorites. Um, Billy and I go back to when he was the pitching coach at U of A, and Known him for a long time, but uh, I think he also we coached at things.
2: ASU. Don't forget that. Yeah, I, I just don't
1: talk to him about that. Uh, we don't talk about your alma mater often, but we're, we're going to work hard on baseball as well. We appreciate uh, an hour. Thanks for coming in and joining us. You guys bet. Had a lot of fun. You guys have great weekends.